0: I love to show people with my books and with my stories that no matter the struggle, there's light at the end of a tunnel. So even when you're in a dark place, you can still rise above it and come out of it.
1: Welcome to this week's episode of the Lively Lead Last Podcast. We are your hosts, James and Lisa Duvall.
2: We hope you find value in each and every episode. If you find this content helpful, we'd appreciate you sharing it with your friends and family. It really is the best way for people to get acquainted with the podcast.
1: This week, we have connected with several listeners who have expressed their appreciation for the podcast. That means so much to us. So thank you for tuning in each week.
2: This past week was fun. James, you and I hosted a marriage event called Caliente, yeah. um, and it was so much fun and exciting. Great reminder of how important it is just to laugh.
1: Yeah, we had a blast, and you're right, laughter is so important. There's actually a proverb in the Bible that says laughter is good medicine for the soul. And I know that you and I love to laugh and know that it's helped our relationship so much.
2: Yeah. Did you know laughter decreases stress hormones and increases immunity and releases all the body's natural feel good chemicals? So why not laugh?
1: Interesting. That's great insight. Well, all that to say, we had a great time, and we encourage you to find the funny that is all around you. The world can seem so serious and overwhelming, but laughter can make a huge difference. All that said, let's jump into today's guest conversation.
2: We had the opportunity to sit down with April Woodard. April is the author of the, you tell us, James, what's the?
1: The Eon Chronicles.
2: I'm actually doing that because I always mess it up. A sci-fi fantasy romance series. She is also an advocate for the autism community, sharing how she works with her own autistic traits to use writing as a therapeutic outlet. So cool. Her main focus is helping people discover their purpose with the hero's journey method by teaching them how to be the main character of their real life story.
1: Yeah, we had a great time talking about her writing process, the inspiration behind the Eon Chronicles, her own journey of beyond the spectrum, and her passion for helping aspiring writers get their books finished.
2: Let's jump in and we'll be back to close the episode out together.
1: So April, thanks for being on the podcast. It's great to connect and spend some time together with you today. You and I first became acquainted on Clubhouse and I heard a little bit of your story and what you're doing and knew that Lisa and I needed to have you on the podcast. So thanks again for being here today.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Okay. So to get us started, we want a reader digest version of your background and the journey to where you are today as a writer and coach.
0: It's hard to compress like the whole life story. But in 2012, I had dove really deep into Bible studies. My husband was working out of town a lot. And so I was a stay-at-home mom of three. The kids were ages one, four, and five. And I had been asking the question, like, what is my purpose in life besides being a stay-at-home mom? Not that being a good parent isn't heroic, because right. it is take <laughs> it is. advice, but I knew I could offer so much more. And so one night it was weird. I had a very vivid dream. It was like a movie playing out in my head and it had every detail of a story about good and evil. And so the next morning I wrote it down, I put it away, and then I got back into it in 2014. And so for three years, I worked on a book and... It, Then I took the leap and I was like, I'm just going to publish it. So in 2008, I published my first book and the other three that are out now went to follow each year. And when people started telling me how much they liked it, I was like, wow, okay. I realized that it was my calling to be a storyteller. Mm -hmm. And as far as being a coach. As you know, being a parent, I've always been a giver. And so that's kind of been like my core calling. It's in my DNA. And it wasn't until actually just this year where I did another podcast and I was talking to someone about how I develop characters and how I learn so much from them. And it's very therapeutic for me that I found that, oh, you know, this is actually like something that helps me. And then I found the hero's journey story structure, which I didn't even realize I'd been using, but it's in everybody's story, whether it be fictional or factual and it's a pattern. And I use it in my story and books and most people use it in stories like movies and books and just about everything. You'll see the pattern in everything. I love to show people with my books and with my stories that no matter the struggle, there's light at the end of a tunnel. So even when you're in a dark place, you can still rise above it and come out of it.
2: I love it. Did you have any idea that you wanted to be a writer before that moment? Was there anything in your childhood or your teenage years that you're like, you love to write? Any hints or nods toward that it would happen later?
0: Not really. I did write. I loved books as a kid. I did. I loved, absolutely loved reading. And I remember when I was a teen, I started reading this book called The Dream Giver by Bruce Wilkinson. And I was like, wow, this is really like making me think different about life. But it, so I really loved reading other people's work. But besides writing like little poetry here and there, I really didn't ever think, oh, I want to be an author when I grow okay. up. It just really wasn't a thought.
1: So you have four books that you've published. Is that right?
0: I have three and I'm working on the fourth, which will be published in February of 2022.
1: Okay. And that that's all part of um the, I'm going to say this wrong, Aeon Chronicles.
0: Aeon Chronicles or Aeon Chronicles. It's, it's totally fine how you say it. <laughs> Everybody says it different and it's actually both ways is fine. But yeah, so the fourth book will be the final in okay. the series. And then I will be taking a break and reflecting on that little journey in that chapter of my life and then I'll get to another story.
1: That's awesome. So the Chronicles are a sci-fi fantasy romance series, in case people haven't seen that. But without giving away the entire story, can you give us a little bit of the storyline and the plot?
0: It's basically just a story about three main characters. You have one that's like the hero that's always pushing on. You have one that's kind of a doubter and just feels like all hope is always lost. And then you have that gray area character who's not either or. And it's really a story about redemption and how everybody in life has that, that they're in a gray area or they're in that positive area or in that doubt area. And I really wanted to make a story around those kind of characters because they were very realistic to me. And so it really is just a story about actually one character in particular and, and a redemption story.
1: And we talked a little bit before we started recording this conversation that you know we all come from a faith background and just reading some of the descriptions of the book, it definitely has a faith undertone to it, correct?
0: Yep. It does.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. So I know a lot of people think sci-fi, fantasy, romance, but it really is redemptive and grace and faith background to it. So our listeners should really check that out for sure.
2: So writing is a therapeutic outlet for you, correct? It is. Okay. Can you talk about your journey with
0: autism and how writing plays into that? So in 2015, my boys were diagnosed with Asperger's, as was I in my very late adulthood. I knew how long as a child, I was different. I had a wild imagination. I enjoyed spending hours on end working on projects. I was always in my own world. And it wasn't until I finished book three that I realized escaping into that world had been the same as sitting down and watching a movie after like a long day of work or, Mm. or just, you know, relaxing, whatever people do as their hobby to just kind of get that decompressive feel of just chilling out and not only that i was able to put my own anxiety and life questions and even my past grief into characters and learn from them and so having going through some pretty dark stuff and i've been put my characters through way worse dark stuff it made me realize <laughs> that i could actually survive anything if i'm putting my mm-hmm. characters through this then my life's been a piece of cake. And so as a child in school, I didn't do well. I was like the daydreamer and I was very creative, homebody. I wasn't great with socializing. And so that's been one of the things that's been really hard is my dyslexia, my ADHD. But then I found that there were ways that I could use the daydreaming or the vivid imagination to create these stories. And I just kind of found my calling, I guess you could say.
2: Very cool. I love how you leverage maybe what we would say are shadow sides of your, just your personality or your makeup to leverage that to find, well, joy in writing and then therapy for yourself, but then something everyone else can enjoy. I love it. So what are some challenges as an adult with autistic traits that you deal with daily that people without those challenges would not know maybe about you?
0: Uh, so I've come a long way since being because my boys are still working on theirs. But being a parent, having autism and then them having autism, it's it's been so much easier, I think. It's been a challenge, but it's been easier because I feel like I've I've walked in their shoes, you know. But I feel like the challenges that I deal with today are more of still dealing with the anxiety, still dealing with like, I'm overly sensitive. So if someone says something to me and I feel like I did something wrong, it'll make me feel bad for weeks when most people are just like, oh, okay, whatever. Mm. But for me, it's like, what, what can I do to fix this? How can we be okay again? Are you still mad at me when everything's probably fine? but it's just overthinking. And so that's probably the, the one thing I struggle with the most still, but as far as the anxiety and depression, and then I'm still oversensitive to light and I have to wear certain clothing that's not constrictive, certain smells still bother me. So there's a lot of different things in the umbrella of right. autism and Asperger's that are challenges, but I, A lot of people can really work on those things or even find ways around to like avoid, like, I don't go in the candle shop at the mall because I just don't want to. (laughs) Like, I'm good.
1: It's really interesting because I think as people are listening to this podcast, when we hear the word autism or Asperger's, we have this stereotype or this thought of what that looks like or that every person is the same way. And obviously you present totally different than somebody who has severe autism or things. I think when I heard you talk about this before, that there's scales or levels of that people deal with this on different ways. So can you give a little bit of just education to our listeners about the scales or the spectrum of autism?
0: Absolutely. So there are lots of different ways that people talk about it. And I have a lot of parent friends who have what has been called low functioning children so they might not be able to talk or they're very behind in, as far as like milestones and then you have some that are more in the middle where maybe they need more assistance but they seem uh, they're they seem okay like they can do certain things but you can kind of tell by their actions that they're not as one would say in quotations normal and then for a lot of us the what we call high functioning is more of oh you look completely normal you seem like a fun person to hang out when really. Like me, I sound like the biggest extrovert right now when I'm really a huge introvert. Yeah. And there's a lot of things going on that like nobody would ever know about like my two days on, on bed rest because I just couldn't deal with what happened the day before or I yeah. got over overwhelmed with what might have happened. But so now the DSM-5, according to to their like official book, says there's three levels. And so one would be like the lowest functioning or would it be three? They have the levels of like one, two, and three. Yeah, maybe it's three that's lowest functioning. Two that doesn't need as much assistance and one that doesn't need hardly any assistance. I follow someone called Tony Atwood who deals specifically with Asperger's. And that's more of just the label of high functioning. And so the labeling actually helps me explain to other people what level someone might be on, but everybody, there's lots of people that get offended, I guess, by the explanations. And so, yeah, yeah, it's such a large spectrum. It's really hard to explain because everybody's an individual and everybody has something that they're, they're dealing with, or maybe they're their child's dealing with.
2: I think that's interesting that you mentioned that things are changing, like names or levels or how they're defining things, because I feel like there is a part of this that's always learning. Like the first person that we ever encountered with autism was about 24 years years ago, and it looked different than, and I just recently met a friend who she's in her 40s, and her dad is on the spectrum, and it really emotionally caused some challenges for her, but I think she would have said he's probably in the mid-range, not as high-functioning, but not obviously at a place that he needed complete assistance. So he's probably in his 60s now. It's interesting how it's emerged and language has been brought around it, but I think it's worth being a little bit messy to learn and to become aware so that we can do better in helping assist and come alongside and champion people who are really internally struggling, whether we know it or not, like you're saying to cope and go, gosh, it took you two days to recover and just the empathy
0: around that.
1: So you're an advocate now for the autism community. Can you talk about what that looks like?
0: I advocate for my boys, of course, to be accepted. My middle child is considered high functioning, but he is more along the like middle range of where he needs more assistance. I homeschool him. If he was to go back to school, they would put him in the special needs class, basically. Okay. So I advocate for just having more resources and having more like the schools are really it's not the teacher's fault at all. It's that there's just not enough resources or enough people being able to help. Like, I think there should be schools that you don't have to pay a whole lot of money right. <laughs> just to have your child that might be gifted, maybe not, but you won't know until they're like in a certain environment that will work for them. So that's why I homeschool my son, but he does need more assistance. So I advocate for him and I advocate for my other son, who is a little more high functioning against bullying and having that understanding. But I also advocate for the autism community to take it upon themselves and really have self-awareness and work on themselves. I worked on myself and it's not daisies and roses in the world. I think a lot of the time, you know, we push so much, oh, accept me, accept who I am. But I think that can even be crippling because we're expecting all this acceptance, but we're not going to be working on ourselves because people are just supposed to accept us for who we are. So compassion. Yes. But taking it to a degree of, well, this is just the way I am and I act out. You're just going to have to deal with it is not okay with me. Yeah, And so that's what I teach my children is the world is the way the world is. If you are speeding and you hit somebody, you're still going to go to jail for that. Yeah. If they're <laughs> injured. It's black and white. A lot of the time there are gray areas, but I think that you know, there has to be responsibility on someone that is high functioning, especially now for anyone that's on the lower scale. Totally understandable. I think they do need all the love and acceptance in the world because they really cannot help yeah. mm-hmm. a lot of things. But for those that if they are able to function yeah, it's going to be harder, but just really working on yourself and learning how to deal with things that aren't easy, like anxiety, just taking it upon yourselves to really improve yourself. So that's how I advocate.
1: You know, it's interesting working at a church. We started realizing that one of the things that families specifically with kids who were more low functioning couldn't do was go to church because there is no place for their kids. We started what we call our buddy ministry, people trained to help with their needs and so forth. And so it's just been really cool to watch how, when a community can advocate and care for families that specifically that maybe aren't as high functioning, that there's just things that they're not able to do, but it just opens your eyes to just how different the world is for families who are facing these challenges. And so it's great that you're advocating for both sides of how society can provide the resources, but also how those that are able to can advance themselves as well.
2: Okay. So you do consulting and coaching, helping people write books. If someone hires you as a coach or consultant, what does that experience look like and what can they expect? Actually, James, get your pen. We're going to take some notes.
0: (laughs) I just started doing this probably last year. And so I'm still very new to it. But I am all about being like that enthusiastic cheerleader. Now I'm not the one out, you know, in the field wearing the pretty little uniform. I'm the one in the bleachers being like, you can do it. I like helping people really just feel motivated and feel like they can do it because a lot of the time it's it's a mindset that and you get this what's called imposter syndrome that, oh, I'm never going to be good enough or I'm never going to be able to do this. But having experience with writing, I know all those stages and I know like what it feels like to finally get to the finish line. But I also help with, of course, like story structure, especially with the hero's journey has been great mm-hmm. and it works for fiction and nonfiction. And so I really love helping people with that like critiquing work or any kind of hand holding that people th- feel they might need, which they really probably don't need. And sometimes it really does just help. I was getting coaching from a writing and a marketing specialist for like two years and it really did just boost my confidence yeah. and, it, and it helped me so much. I also do the like branding and marketing aspect of it, which I do it in a different way because as far as nonfiction, I could handle that all day. That's so easy for me to be like, this is exactly what you need to do. Mm -hmm. fiction is a whole different thing. It's almost like you have to brand yourself as like the person and not what you do. I have my own story brand, basically, which is using the hero's journey is using it as like therapy and advice lessons and finding purpose kind of thing. And so everybody's just got to know like, what they want and what their goal is, but sometimes they don't. So I help along the way with personal branding and Instagram as well, as far as what to post, how to post and, and all those fun things.
1: So I know there are a lot of people like Lisa and I, who may have an idea for a book or books, but just don't know where to start. Or like what you said, maybe they wonder if the idea they have is even worth writing or feel like an imposter. So would there be a couple suggestions or tips that you could give to help them or Lisa and I, <laughs> to get started.
0: Oh, well, you guys make sure to like message me after and I'll just help you for free, whatever. <laughs> I, I love it. So I, there's no story that's a bad idea, honestly. There's really just not. It's your execution. So when I first started out and I, I did my first draft, I just wrote it. And that's what I suggest for anybody. Just write down your ideas read back over it and really look at it. If you're not feeling it, then just write something else, write something different or a a different version of that. But I always tell people just start writing, like, don't let the fear of failing hold you back because shoot, I I had to rewrite book one. I even had to take two chapters out (laughs) before, before it was finished. But you know, there's always that, like, I don't know what I'm doing, but it's a learning process. Yeah. That's what I tell people. Just You just got to start doing it. And it does help though to run some ideas by someone, especially that's had experience. So yeah, you guys definitely message me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have friends who've written books and who are authors and just like that process to me feels so overwhelming, but I'm proud of my friends, but also kind of like, man, that's just such a big deal to actually write down 30 to 50,000 words for a decent sized book. So that's really cool that you're coaching. And I tell Lisa all the time, that's what you need to do. You just need to start.
2: I know we do have a couple of good ideas. So we will, we'll have to talk to you about that. Yeah. April, one of the primary goals of this podcast is introduce our listeners to men and women who are leading their lives and leveraging their influence to make a difference in their world. Obviously on a couple of different levels, you're doing that. If you could share a couple of thoughts that would help a listener to be
0: more intentional about growing their influence, what would you say? It's all about authenticity just being yourself. The self-awareness is the biggest thing because you see what you have to offer because not everybody's going to be good on camera or film or be good at writing or be good at, you know, such and such. So you find your gifts, what you were given, and you work on it.
1: So I follow your Instagram post and you have this fun sequence you call uh, what it's like to be a writer. I think you've done like 14 or 15 episodes of it.
0: This is me redoing. I'm trying to redo my Instagram. So anybody that goes to my Instagram right now, just ignore it.
1: I think they're funny because you take these clips from movies and TV shows to illustrate the writing journey and struggle with this. I actually want to encourage listeners to follow and check out your Instagram account. You said you're working right now on the, the fourth book in your series, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It'll, it'll be done by the end of the year.
1: Okay, cool. And then you're going to take a break. Do you think you'll write more fiction or do you think you'll step into a different genre?
0: I think it depends because I really would love to do like a coaching book or a marketing book for for writers or, or whatnot. I, I've had a lot of people be like, "Abral, you tell me all this stuff, but you never like do anything with it. Like in real life, like write the book. So I think I'll probably take a break and work on a marketing book or how the hero's journey helps you as a writer or in life purpose in general. But yeah, I'm definitely going to take a break and really focus on this is like my my new life purpose right now is to really motivate people and give them this whole like looking at the hero's journey for life and how they can implement it and really feel like they're moving somewhere in life. Because a lot of us, you know, we feel stuck in a lot of points of our life and i I've been stuck so many times, and I just want to help people get unstuck and write a new chapter of their story.
1: That's fantastic,
0: okay, so we like to close our
2: conversations with our guests by doing some random questions. So would you be up for a few quick fire questions? Absolutely, okay, so there's five of them i'm gonna I'm gonna start it out so do you prefer listening to books on an app like Audible? Or physically reading books?
0: No, both. But since I'm a stay-at-home mom and I'm working on a business and I'm homeschooling, audiobooks have been a favorite for me. And I've actually got one audiobook of mine out and I'm getting the second one worked on. And so I just, the, the listening experience can be Absolutely wonderful when you have a great voiceover actor or actress.
1: That's true. It it's really depends on who the the voice is. It does. <laughs> it really does <laughs> because you know sometimes if they're too slow, the good thing is you can speed it up two or three times, which is good too. So
2: that's how James listens that's to. Him. That, that listen would be a him. good question. Me
0: what too. speed do you live it on?
1: Yeah, you listen to two times the speed.
0: One point five. Okay. <laughs> well,
1: now on Audible, you can go from like one point five to one point six, point seven. So they've actually you know, kind of give you a little uh, increments to grow. So it's
0: it's not that big jump. No, no,
1: no. So, okay. I'm staying in the book world. If you're reading a book, would you rather read a book in hardback paperback or on the Kindle app?
0: Paperback. I I have so much screen time. I can't do eBooks and hard books. I love on the shelf. They look so pretty, but It's bulky in my hands and I'm like, I just want to like take you and like fold the pages back if I need to (laughs) and like take you to the beach, take you to the lake, whatever I want to do. And I'm afraid I'm going to like mess up the dust jacket with hardbacks. So I love, I love my paperbacks.
1: So I'm a hardback guy and actually never keep the the dust jacket. I always just throw it away.
0: Oh my gosh. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Is that terrible? Uh, you know? Oh. Yeah. But they look better on my bookshelf when I finish reading them and it's just the hard cover. The so, hardback. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, they look really like the fancy library. Yeah. It feels with the like hardbacks. a library. Like, yeah, exactly. I do love that look.
1: Yeah. Okay. Here's another one. What is your favorite sci-fi series of all time?
0: I really am excited oh to hear this. Goodness. Yeah, this. the Oh, that's hard. <laughs> okay. well, I figured
1: since you write sci-fi, you have to be a connoisseur oh, of sci-fi. Oh, absolutely.
0: The Giver uh, is probably going to be my all-time favorite as far as, but I read it in middle school with my okay. class and it opened up a whole entire world of just thought process for me as far as life, as far as like, I've never read a book like this. And so I have to say that. And then what dreams may come because that partially inspired my book series. Okay. Okay. What do the words writer's block mean to you? Absolutely nothing. Honestly, no. <laughs> so, <laughs>
2: that was funny.
0: <laughs> a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, I have writer's block. And I'm like, do you though? Do you really like, or is there something going on in your life that's stressing you out? Are you distracted because the kids are running around the house playing tag? Are you just stuck in your story where you don't know where it's going to move forward? So there's a lot of reasons for writer's block. But I always can catch it. Like, I don't just like, oh, my gosh, I'm staring at a page. Every time I sit down, I do it with intention. So if I feel like I'm not feeling something like a scene or I feel like "Eh, stuff's not moving forward, I take breaks like often. I don't go into the whole like write every day if you want to be a true writer. I I don't subscribe to that at all, because I think people do need those breaks and they do need to let their brains like, you know, plot in their head. And that's totally okay. Moving scenarios around your head is a lot less work than writing it all down and then deleting it later, which is what I honestly have done before. And it, it does, it wastes a lot of time and effort. And so that's what writer's block is to me. Usually there's an underlining reason. The, okay. the same thing for me is like, it's like anxiety. It's like, oh my gosh, like, why is my, my heart going so fast? There must be something going on. Did I have too much coffee today? Or is it something else? Right, awesome. right. I actually apply that to anytime I'm
2: doing any kind of teaching, when I I write it all down, and then I'll go, I'm going to walk or sleep on it and just think about it. I'll move things around in my head. So that actually just made a connection. Oh, I love for, that. Yeah, made yeah. a connection for me because then I'll, as I'm just thinking about it when I'm walking, I'll be like, that doesn't really make sense there because then the person doesn't know where I'm going. And then that, so yeah. there's such great value in that. Okay, so what part of the book do you have the hardest time writing? The beginnings? the end or middle?
0: Oh, always the middle. Because you're like, okay, I know where I started. I know where I'm going, but what's the meat of it that like I have to get from point A to point C. And usually you have to make a lot of things happen in that middle to really move it forward. So with book three, I think that was the biggest struggle for me because I was like, I have a lot of things I have to like pull together here. And I I had so many characters involved and I was like, how am I going to pull this off? But I executed it well enough that it has become my favorite book and everybody's favorite book in the series because the the challenge really was, can you do this? And it ended up working out. And so, but yeah, that was the book where I was like struggling with the middle pretty hard here. Have you ever got to the end of a book and had to go back and rewrite the beginning part? Oh, absolutely. I rewrite stuff constantly. I'm not one of those writers that, that, you know, writes a couple drafts and then leaves it the way it is and just edits it. If I read back through and I have the proof in my hand and I'm like reading the actual proof in, in hard form and I say, this chapter does not work. I will delete it. Or if I'm like, oh my gosh, I really need a, the scene here. Okay, why wasn't I seeing this before? Mm-hmm. I'm totally all about like going back and adding and changing. You know, like in your gut, like usually like if something needs to go there or be taken out. And so I, I tell people just follow your gut. Like don't feel held back by, oh, I got to follow the outline. I mean, I do believe in outlining, Mm -hmm. but I feel that like everybody says, oh, you're such a like planter. I think that's the word because I'm not a plotter and I'm not a planner. (laughs) I'm I'm in between. And so they call that discovery writers. Okay. (laughs)
1: That's awesome. Well, I know one of my rules for reading is I, I read a lot of books, and typically I read all nonfiction. But when we go on vacation or are away for a time, that the only thing I'll read is fiction. So you're going to be the next fiction books. I, I No, I was
2: just saying we're going to be going away in May, and we should get. We I know do we're going to
1: read. We're going to read your fiction series.
2: I may if, if it's on Audible though. I may I may go that direction. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The first book. I'll warn you guys. The first book is very YA. And so it even seems very like childlike and innocent because that's how I wanted it to be for that realm. The book two and book three have a lot more adult things going on in it because it's like more real life. So it's not centered around romance. I definitely don't do any erotica, but there are adult situations that normal people talk about. So it's just, it's definitely like when I tell someone that's, a fellow Christian. I'm like, it's not clean. Like there's cussing in there. They're real people in my eyes. So I just made them the way I saw them as real actual people, but well, cool. I'm excited. Yeah.
1: Well, April, this has been an awesome conversation mm-hmm. and thanks for being on the podcast. If listeners want to learn more about you, where would you send them online?
0: I would tell them to definitely go to my Instagram. I will have a lot of content coming. I'm just working on it, batching it out. Yeah, but uh, It'll be a whole lot of value for them coming up. Also my website at www.authoraprilmwooder.com And then I'm on Twitter, I'm not on Facebook very much. I am on LinkedIn. So I'm just about everywhere, okay. but Instagram is the best place. Awesome. Perfect. That's awesome. So James, you'll add all that to the show notes, I will. right? Okay, good.
2: Why are you laughing at me? Huh? Why are you laughing at well, me? Well,
1: because I'm the one who wanted to the show notes.
2: Yeah. Cause <laughs> I actually, April, I have technical issues. So everyone knows who's listening. Yeah. That I have challenges every so, week. It's so, lucky that
1: we actually get through the interview. Yeah, so uh, the James, computer's blowing up.
2: You will add that information. I will to add the it show to show the notes. show notes. <laughs> <laughs> this has been so good. And we look forward to following your writing journey and probably we'll need to have a little offline conversation about our book ideas and would love to have you on the podcast again here in the future.
0: Oh, absolutely. I would love to join you guys again. Thanks April for investing
2: your gift of time and being with us on the podcast.
1: Lisa, you and I both have book ideas that we have been talking about for a while now. What do you think it is that's keeping you from starting to write your book?
2: Two simple answers. Number one, time. I just feel like I don't have time that may be true or that may not be true. Okay. And the second is not knowing where to begin. So I think I know where to begin and then I get that I'm not actually sure that I get overwhelmed, and then I get stuck, and then I delete all that from my brain. So I don't know. Those are the two things. I feel that's like that's
1: a vicious cycle.
2: I know. What about you?
1: Well, I think there are two reasons for me as well. One is getting over the sheer scope of writing tens of thousands of words it just seems so large. And I don't think I have the confidence to believe that I have that much to say about the topics of the books I want to write. And then I think the second thing for me is kind of the imposter syndrome, I guess, doubting my abilities and feeling like a fraud. I know it's coming from Many leaders accept the validity of their accomplishments and think they have anything worthwhile to say. But that's probably one of the big things for me: is like, would anybody even care what I have to say?
2: That completely makes sense that you feel that way, but it absolutely makes no sense that you feel that way because <laughs> because you've taken so much content, you've lived so much life, and we know plenty of people who've written books who've been married less years than we have and have written really great content on marriage, and we don't discount their investment in our lives because they're younger and. James, we have a lot more years on us.
1: Right. So I just go back to writing tens of thousands of words. I just don't know if I had that many words.
2: Okay. I have them for you if you That's need. true.
1: You do. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, we probably ought to take April up on the offer to get some coaching and get our books written someday. So we'll look into that. But for now, we better wrap up this episode. You can find the show notes to this and every show at liveleadlast.com. You can also join the weekly newsletter and receive each episode and show notes delivered directly to your inbox. Just text the word live, L I V E, to the number 22454.
2: Next week, we have the founder and CEO of The Life Giving Company, Tyler Regan, on the podcast. Tyler is the former president of Catalyst. He's also the author of two books. James, you will be talking to him about his newest book, Leading Things You Didn't Start. Welcome to our world.
1: Yeah, you don't want to miss it. The book is awesome. And we dive into some great content around transitions and taking over leadership roles, following great leaders and not so great leaders. We want to invite you to follow us on Instagram at Podcast. You can also join our Facebook group at Facebook.com backslash groups backslash LiveLiveLast.
2: Thanks again for joining us for this episode. We wish you a blessed and safe week. Leave your life and leverage your influence today in the way that leaves the legacy you want for tomorrow. Until next week, bye-bye.